On The Year That Made Me, today we're going to meet one of the very few Australians and even fewer women to receive the A. Bertram Chandler Award, which is described as Australia's premier award for lifetime achievement in science fiction. In her long career, Rosaline Love also wrote non-fiction about science as a journalist, as well as getting a PhD in the history and philosophy of science and lecturing on that subject too. In the 1980s and 90s, Rosaline was a prominent part of a flourishing feminist science fiction scene in Australia. Rosaline's in her 80s now, but she's still publishing, most recently in the March 2022 anthology Phase Change, a collection of short stories on the theme of imagining energy futures. In under 3,000 words, Rosaline's piece traverses the beginning of the universe right through to the end of it, and a world where humanity's relentless energy consumption makes planet hopping necessary and also sparks intense political divisions between those in favour of leaving and those who vote remain. Rosaline Love, welcome to The Year That Made Me. Thank you. That's a marvellous introduction. <laughs> it's great to have you, Rosaline. I, I can't profess, though, to know much about Australian feminist science fiction. Could you tell us a little bit about that scene and how you came to be involved in it? It was a lot of fun and it happened perhaps in the 1980s, when there was actually a, a very flourishing feminist presses, the Spinifex Press, Sibylla Press in Australia, the Women's Press in the, in the United Kingdom. And they rose because, for example, in science fiction, there was felt to be a lack of, for a start, plausible women characters. But it was more than that. It was also looking mm. at the wider social movement and, uh, and, and how we could write about that differently. And there were a number of enthusiastic and terrific women writers writing specifically the short story because I think the short story is a lovely medium and I kind of think it's time has perhaps gone. <laughs> well, you certainly wrote science fiction with a strong grounding in science. Where did you study science and what was it like for a, a woman studying science at that time? My first introduction to science was at secondary school and it was liberating into this marvellous world of ideas. And then I studied, I did a science degree at the University of Queensland and then subsequently moved into history and philosophy of science at Cambridge University, then Melbourne University. But in Queensland, I did mathematics and physics principally because they were difficult subjects. I think in retrospect that was wrong, but, but there were only eight women in the, uh, in the third year of that degree. And of the eight of us, we all went on, most of the ones I know about went on to do really quite interesting things. So it was good. They were good years. And uh, I know that fiction writing wasn't something that came to you late. Indeed, it ran in the family. Is that right, Rosalie? My mother was a writer. She wrote books about um, her life as the wife of a veterinarian. Remember, there was a famous book, The Egg and I, by Betty MacDonald. Well, she wrote in a similar vein about the daily life of a veterinarian in Ipswich in Queensland, which was short, amusing sketches, but very light. And she also wrote... I don't know if she wrote much fiction, but she was an inspiration to me because she sat at the typewriter at the kitchen table at night typing because she worked all day. Indeed. So um, when did you start writing fiction and, and was it science fiction from the outset, Rosalie? Look, I think it was from memory. It was a long time ago. I just enjoyed 
the play of ideas. And I wrote what I would call cerebral science fiction. It was all ideas-based and it ended up often a quirky what-if story, what if an old woman became an old bat, you know, in a kind of literal taking a, a metaphor or simile literally and just playing with that and seeing what happened at the end. And, of course, not knowing till I got to the end what was going to happen, which was a lot of the fun. On The Year That Made Me, we're speaking with Rosaline Love, who is a former winner of the A. Bertram Chandler Award, Australia's premier award for lifetime achievement in science fiction. Uh, Rosaline, uh, as I said, it's The Year That Made Me. Your fiction covers all the years of the universe uh, from, from the beginning to many, many in the future. But what have you chosen as The Year That Made You? I chose 1952. In 1952, I was in the final year of primary school and bored totally out of my mind. You know, I would sit in the back row because they put the kids who came first, second, third, fourth in class all in the back row and I sat in the back row and read books under the desk. But I chose my music from that year, but really I was thinking in terms of that year moving into the year, first year of secondary school, which was moving from darkness into light. Secondary school was amazing. And it was amazing because of the breadth of subjects. We could do chemistry, physics, we could do Latin, French. It was just a new world and I loved it. Whereabouts did you go to secondary school, Rosalind? I was in Ipswich. I lived in Ipswich in Queensland and I went to Ipswich Girls Grammar School, which was a really great school. I had... Um, only four years, secondary years then, four very interesting years there. Did you begin your career as a, a writer of science nonfiction and science journalism straight after leaving university uh, in Cambridge? No, I came to live in Melbourne and I did a PhD. But then moving into this new area of history and philosophy of science, at what was then Swinburne Institute of Technology, it was called, which then over the next few years became a university. So they were very exciting years moving into something very new and teaching a subject which then was regarded as one of the new subjects that would bridge the science and the arts and would bring a knowledge of culture to engineers at the same time, a knowledge of science to people in the humanities, or that was the ideal in the year 2000, Rosaline, you published a book called Reefscape, Reflections on the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that project and uh, how your you know, love of the Great Barrier Reef came about? I was very lucky in that in the 90s, I was able to join as a supernumerary, just an extra person, a series of voyages to the Great Barrier Reef, which scientists from the University of New England went on, they chartered a boat and they went out on the reef and they did their research into sea snakes, for example, with Harold Heatwall and um, birds and the geology of the reef. And I was able to hitch a ride there with them because my sister was then living in Armidale, my sister Kathleen, and she uh, worked with CSIRO and uh, knew these people. It was an, an amazing series of trips because... Uh, it was a small group of people who knew a lot, an enormous lot about the reef and who loved it and whose enthusiasm embraced the totality of knowledge, if you think, if you think of the reef as a vibrant uh, ecological system. And uh, they worked on it from the geology, the reef animals and the birds, and it was just 
exhilarating to uh, be with, with them. And it seems like one of the main functions of the book was to bring together a whole wide range of perspectives on the reef that spanned, again, the sciences and the humanities. What sort of people did you uh, represent in your book, Reefscape, and why were you so committed to that breadth of vision? I think so much has been written about the Great Barrier Reef from all different kinds of uh, perspectives, and I knew I couldn't write as a scientist or as a straight historian. I just went from one idea to another, a bit sitting around a bit. But one of the things that I really enjoyed was looking at the early film of the reef, early nature documentaries that were made, for example, by Noel and Kitty Monkman, who lived on the reef and who they devised their own underwater cameras and who did uh, their own commentary and uh, developed their own. They did everything. But what comes through their work is you know, immense enthusiasm for the reef and um, a, a different way of looking at it. For example, I mean, they just cooked and ate what they were photographing and I don't think you find that in David Attenborough. Um, so I enjoyed that and I enjoyed reading about, for example, Jean Devaney, who was a journalist, a communist, a nature enthusiast, who took to diving in the days when you had to actually wear the full helmet and the, the lead weights. And uh, I enjoyed that the article she wrote for the popular press, again, on the pleasures of the reef and the joys of looking at the underwater world from the depths. Rosaline Love, was your first love, is your first love science fiction writing or do you, or is it like kids, you love both types of writing equally? I enjoy it all and I'm, I'm delighted that I've been able to take my passions to about as far as I'm going to get them, I think. You mentioned that the feminist science fiction publishing theme was flourishing but that it might have sort of eased off a little bit. What are the factors that drive that, do you think? I just think these things rise and fall, don't they? And I, in a way, I think part of the origins of feminist science fiction, there were a lot of women writing detective fiction. There always have been and they've been flourishing and good at it. And I think part of it back then was, well, hey, why aren't we in other genres? And I think the feminist presses arose because the publishers were enthusiasts who wanted to publish what they saw was having a hard time getting published elsewhere. They filled a niche there that was absolutely desperately needed. And whether things have gradually changed and whether the writers become then more mainstream and more taken up by you know, the larger presses, I think perhaps that has happened. And people run out of energy after a while, you know. Then it passes, then somebody else does something different. Well, Rosaline, it's been lovely speaking with you. What piece of music shall we finish the year that made me with today? Perhaps as tribute to the year that you chose, 1952. <laughs> I chose an aria from Cosi van Tote, May the Wind Be Gentle. And I chose it because in that year, my last year of primary school, we all went down to the local Ipswich Town Hall and a visiting group of singers put on a performance of Cosi van Tote and I'd never heard such wonderful music. I had this feeling of a, a sense of wonder about it and I'd wonder that singers could actually each sing a different line and not get muddled, you know. <laughs> I, I just found it absolutely beautiful. And this aria is a gentle aria, lovely floating women's voices and a male voice that comes in because he's really plotting against them. Bit of a lesson for life oh, well. there. 
<laughs> well, we'll have a listen now and a listen for the lesson for life as well. Rosaline Love, thank you very much for speaking with us on The Year That Made Me. Thank you, Julian. That was lovely. Suave sia il vento. May the wind blow gently from Mozart's Cosi fan tutte, the song chosen by our guest on The Year That Made Me, Rosaline Love. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.